Some of them are smiling and think, yep, all good. Others are going, haven't bothered, not worrying. Others are looking very sad because you've failed already. So there you go. And I wonder, I can't help but wonder if Donald Trump made any New Year resolutions as well. And look, in all seriousness, we, we need to pray that he will pray. That God will give him wisdom. And I can't help but think of Solomon in that prayer when God visited him in a dream. And God said, ask for anything that you want me to give you. And, and then Solomon said, Lord, I'm like a child and you've put me to, to govern these people. And he said, give me wisdom. Give me a discerning mind to govern these great people of yours. Wouldn't it be great if we pray that Donald Trump would have a prayer like that? Lord, give me wisdom uh, and a discerning heart to govern these people. So pray for him. Um, well, if you've made a New Year resolution, good luck with it. you know. And, but I, I want to suggest tonight... Um, that the Lord is speaking to, wants to speak to us. Perhaps it's going to be a New Year resolution He wants to give to us tonight. Maybe you'll see it that way, and that's fine. But certainly as we embark on this whole new adventure with Him and with each other into 2017, I wonder what God has for us. Are you excited about that? Perhaps a bit of fear and trepidation. I think that's all natural. But to look at what we're, what we're sensing God might be saying to us here tonight, and to do that, I want us to have a brief look at this passage, at this particular event that took place in the life of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, uh, recorded here in Second Chronicles chapter 20. It's also recorded in Kings as well. Um, this, this happens to be one of my favourite Old Testament uh, uh, stories or events. And it's one that I found myself revisiting over time, over time, over time, time and time again, and, and over many years. And I've got a devotional Bible that I use for my daily devotionals, and I've written in this thing, and I've underlined words and, and, and verses and phrases, and I've written little dates beside them in the margin of my Bible. This is all in, in Second Chronicles chapter 20, where God's just been speaking to me over the years about various things personally to me from this particular passage here and from this, this particular event that took place in Jehoshaphat and, and I want to encourage you to do the same I don't know how you have your quiet time and how you spend your devotional time but I want to encourage you that uh, that you have a bible and don't be frightened to mark it I, I like to journal as well so I have a separate little book that I just a little exercise book that I journal in but I also like to write dates and thoughts and things in the in the margin of my bible so there's a little practice that you might uh, you might find encouraging you and helping you as you really grow in the things of God in your own life as you meet him one-on-one -on -one each day. So important to do it. Listen to what he says to you. Record your thoughts and your responses. Don't be frightened to mark that Bible either. Well, back to this, this amazing account uh, in the life of, uh, of Jehoshaphat. Um, and, and just as we get into this, I just want to quickly give a bit of background, just a tiny background sketch as to what happened here. So we know that after the monarchy uh, after ended with the death of Solomon, uh, that the tribes of Israel split into two kingdoms. There was the northern kingdom of Israel, and they had ten tribes, and then and their own king. And then there was the southern kingdom of Israel, with, with sorry of Judah. So the southern tri tribe uh, of Judah with two tribes themselves, and they had their own king. So two kings: southern kingdom, northern kingdom. And we know that most of the kings that governed in this time were, were pretty wicked people. They were pretty wicked, godless wicked people. Jehoshaphat, he was among the more godlier of the kings of Judah. 
And in 2 Chronicles, he finds himself and his people in a very difficult situation, to say the least. But it's what he does in this difficult situation that I want us to hone in on tonight. I want us to focus in on what he actually does with this incredible predicament that he finds himself in. And I want us to take note of it tonight. I want us to, and, and, and to have the, with the aim to apply the things that we see Jehoshaphat doing in our own lives and in our own circumstances as we enter this whole new year of 2017 and all that's beyond us here. So with the news that a vast army, I don't know how many thousands of soldiers were coming against Jehoshaphat, but he had this news, a vast army of your enemies are coming against you. And I want you to look at his response to that. Firstly, have a look at this. Look at verse 3. It says this, Alarmed, and who wouldn't be? Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And you know, as I read this and ponder that, it speaks to me of a wise, courageous and a godly king. He and his people were really facing a serious problem. Serious, like, like being wiped out, for example. That's how serious it was. And, and instead of giving in to the, the natural human reactions, when these kinds of things come against us, the normal reaction of panicking, of running, of taking matters into their own hands and, and going crazy and just not thinking... And, and although, understandably, you know, he was alarmed, he was fearful. But listen, he was also determined. He resolved to take it first to God. How amazing. Think of yourself. When you get into a situation where you find that the circumstances are overwhelming, do you first resolve to take the Lord? Or is it this natural panic, fret, scream, hollow, run? And I believe that God honours a response like that from his people. I do. Not just a good thing to do, but it's the right thing to do. Resolve first to inquire of the Lord, whatever those circumstances be. And you know what? I reckon there would be a lot of heartache and a lot of regret, regret would be avoided if we chose a course of action like this instead of what the natural reaction would be. If we chose to resolve to inquire of the Lord rather than just reacting to situations and circumstances. So whatever challenges come your way, and they will, in 2017, if they haven't already, just wait, they will. Whatever the vast army might be that you face this year, I want to encourage you tonight, and I believe God's saying this, be resolved to first inquire of the Lord before you act. And when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense when you realise, of course, that, this, that the Lord God Almighty that we've been singing about tonight is the most powerful ally that you and I could ever have. I love that song, that new song. God is the Lion of Judah. How does that, what was that verse we kept on repeating over and over again? Can, is it in your head yet? It's probably not in mine. That it's, the battle's his. You know, we don't have to be afraid. He's the one that wins the battles. You can't, no one can stand against him. 
That's the kind of God we have. He is the God Almighty. No one equal in his greatness. No one better than him. He is almighty, powerful. But see, it's not just that. It's not just that. I want you to remember the words of the Lord Jesus too, which I believe apply in this context. And it's interesting because Waza read them out tonight. So I believe God wants to speak to us about this. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I believe that's so applicable in a situation just as Jehoshaphat, I think, demonstrates to us when he resolved first to inquire of the Lord. Jesus is saying, seek ye first the kingdom of God and he will look after all the other things that need to happen. But put him first. Resolve first to the Lord. Seek the Lord. Seek him first. Seek first his kingdom. Resolve first to inquire of God. And that leads to the second point, and it's this. Seek help from the Lord. Seek help from him. That's what Jehoshaphat did next as he faced a pretty much impossible and stressful situation. Look at this passage here again, verse 3 and 4, out of Second Chronicles 20. Let me read it again. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. Look at verse 4. The people of Judah came together to seek help. Where? From the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Not to seek help from someone else or that thing or that thing or this or what I thought my resources could do or... They seek help from the Lord. And this was a key practice in Jehoshaphat's life, in his reign as king of Judah. He didn't get it right every time. He learned some big lessons. But this is pretty much a a, a common practice, a key practice that we see in Jehoshaphat's life. For example, flip your Bibles back to chapter 17 of 2 Chronicles. Look at verse 3 and 4. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Because he followed the ways of his father David before him. He did not consult the Baals, but sought the God of his father and followed his commands rather than the practices of Israel. So when things come heavy down upon Jehoshaphat, he would seek God first. Not other things, certainly not the Baals, the idols, certainly not what Israel was doing. But he sought the God of his fathers and followed God's commands. And as I said, Jehoshaphat, he nearly slipped over big time in chapter 18. He learned a big lesson in chapter 19. And to be perfectly honest with you, if you know the story, he didn't finish all that well in chapter 20. But nonetheless, this is what God said. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the ways of his father David. And he sought the God of his father and followed his commands and how essential for us in 2017 that we don't conform to worldly practices that we don't even look for that advice that we don't seek advice from the worldly way of doing things certainly not to consult the daily horoscopes 
or your star signs or any of these other form of occult practices for you to seek, for you to, to find out more about your life, about your future. People are doing that, folks. You probably know folks that do that. Trust that none of the Christians are doing that, but I think some of them are. You need to be careful. Don't go there. You need to seek the help from the Lord God Almighty in Christ and follow his commands, just like we see Jehoshaphat doing. And it's an absolutely awesome thing as to what God does in response to this. Seek him. Seek the Lord. And it's exactly what the psalmist also practiced and what he himself sets up as an example for us to follow. For example, look at Psalm 121. These are the ones that I just love to underline and write out myself as I journal. These are the things that God will strengthen you and gird you up and equip you. Look at Psalm 121, verses 1 to 2. We're talking about seeking help from God. Look at this. I lift up my eyes to the mountains or lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? And he answers the same question. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And then again, God reminds us through the psalmist again in Psalm 54 and verse 4 when he says, Behold, I love that word, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the sustainer of my soul. Aren't they powerful words? And then, of course, who can forget Psalm 46 verse 1? God is our refuge and strength. Listen to this. An ever-present help in trouble. God is ever-present. You don't have to go off and try and find him somewhere. You don't have to go wait to make an appointment for him to turn up at your place or in your spot of trouble. He is an ever-present help. We just need to seek him. He's ever-present. He's there for you, for me, all the time. Can you say amen to that? From your own heart. The other challenge that I see as you look at the life of Jehoshaphat and particularly this particular historical account we have here in front of us is that we also need to ensure that we come together ourselves as a corporate body of God's people for prayer. Keep an eye open for those opportunities that we have during the year for prayer when we come together to pray together. Evenings of prayer, day of prayer, perhaps other prayer times too that we'll be doing. But we need to. Come together as God's people to seek his face, to lay our hearts before God. And you know what? We, we may not face exactly the same kind of alarming circumstances as Jehoshaphat did. But let us nonetheless all resolve to draw near to Christ, to seek him, our helper, and in prayer, and follow him, and follow him as passionate followers of Christ and the more time we spend with him when you go on camps and you listen and you say God speak to me give me a hungry thirsty heart for you he will and he'll become and you'll become a more passionate follower the Holy Spirit will do that in you as you open yourself to him 2017 an exciting year lies ahead of us the third practice that I noticed from Jehoshaphat is that he acknowledges his vulnerabilities. He acknowledges his vulnerabilities before the Lord or his weaknesses. Look at uh, verses 12 and 13 of, of 2 Chronicles 20. 
our God, will you not judge them? Will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. And all, the, verse 13, and all the men of Judah with their wives and their children, the little ones, stood there before the Lord. It's a picture of their absolute weakness, helplessness, their vulnerability. Here they are, presenting it clearly, openly, before God in prayer. Definitely not a practice that we see much happening with, with our politicians these days, is it? Don't actually hear or see our politicians letting us all know about what their weaknesses or their vulnerabilities are. Although sadly, some of them get found out. But Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, was not afraid to openly display and announce before the Lord his vulnerabilities and his weaknesses. And in many ways, neither should you or I. Why? Well, for one reason. It's being completely honest and open and transparent before God, which he wants. And of course, the other reason is, well, he knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows you better than you know you, including all your weaknesses, all your failures, all your flaws. He knows them all. And yet we've got to say this, he loves you so deeply. He loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you in that place, but wants to grow you, build you up, make you passionate followers of him. That's what he's all about. One commentator says this about these particular verses that I just read. He said, It's one of the most touching expressions of trust in God to be found anywhere in the Bible, this commentator says. He says, To recognise one's weaknesses or vulnerabilities is a position of much strength. Isn't that interesting? And again, didn't the Apostle Paul discover this very truth himself? Do you remember how this divine principle, if you like, came to him by God's revelation? Paul testifies about this in 2 Corinthians in chapter 12, verse 7 to 10. These are awesome verses here. Let me read them to you. Paul testifying, he says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, finish it with me, when I am weak, then I am strong. Hey, anyone here delight in weaknesses, delight in insults, delight in all these hardships? Anyone? We probably don't. It's probably not a real natural thing, but God by his spirit can give you that. Because you know these things aren't the issue. You know you've got an ally who is almighty, 
who is so powerful that he can turn your weaknesses into strengths. How's it go? God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Strong. He's chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the, the wise. He's chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong. Awesome, isn't it? That's what God does. It is a strange paradox that when we are weak in ourselves and we acknowledge that, that we are vulnerable and we acknowledge that before the Lord, then it's as if his strength and his power comes upon us. It is available to us, empowering us, equipping us, sustaining us to carry out the very purposes that he has set before us. And we say, God, this is too much. This is overwhelming. And then he says, well, who are you going to trust? Well, I trust in you. Right. Well, let's get on and do it. I can't do it. No, you can't, but I can. This is the whole thing, this, this, this recognising. We're not meant to do anything apart from him. And Jesus said that very thing. Right, you and I, we, ha- we cannot, there is no substance, there is no merit that we, can, that we can do apart from Christ. Remember how he said these words. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Then he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing we can do that has any substance or merit to it outside of Christ. Because it's like a branch that's been severed from the vine. The branch dries up and dies. It's got nothing in itself. It's all about the vine, not the branch. We're the branches. Abide in the vine. Then you will draw the nourishment up from the vine into the branch where you'll bear fruit. That's why we need to be abiding in Christ. We draw from him his power, his resources. Seek his help. Look at the kind of help that's available to us. Acknowledge our vulnerabilities because look at the power that becomes available to us. God's grace. Dear friends, in 2017, will be sufficient for all of us. It is and will be sufficient for everything that you face, that you and I face, including our vulnerabilities, that when we confess those and acknowledge those before God, God's grace, he promises that, will be sufficient for us. What's for Jehoshaphat? It is for us today. Look at the fourth practice that I notice in the life of Jehoshaphat here is his position of faith his position of faith look at verse 12 again our God will you not judge them for we have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us his vulnerabilities confessed then he says this we do not know how we don't know what to do gain weakness vulnerabilities confessed look at this but our eyes are on you we don't know what to do but our eyes are on you we don't know what to do I don't know how many times I've heard that. And one of the most touching times, I guess, that I've heard that is when I was an ambo. Perhaps Sheridan might be able to relate with this. You go out on a job and you turn up at a scene and it might be a lot of carnage everywhere. And there are people who are just broken because they, they, and they'll say, they've said it to me, they've said it to others. We just don't know what to do. We didn't know what to do. And they're quite emotional about it. And our hearts go out to them because we had a bit of an idea what we could be doing. But they didn't. We don't know what to do, they'd say. We weren't sure. Most times what they did was pretty good, but there are others that did nothing. They said, we don't know what to do. And you know what? 
There are people, so many people today in our world who are saying those very words in one way or another to describe their own lives in this world. They're really saying, I don't know what I'm even here for. We don't know what to do. How many people do you know that are saying those things to you? Or whose lives seem to indicate that they're screaming those words to you? There are politicians saying that as well, to touch on that again. There are world leaders who are saying that. They might not be saying it publicly. Perhaps even Donald Trump may be saying that in secret in his own heart. We don't know what to do. And it can be a scary situation to be in. But this is where Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, was different. He had a position of faith that said this. Even though this is beyond me, Lord, even though I don't know how to handle this, we are powerless against this army that's come against us. We're powerless. We don't know what to do. But here it is, Lord. You know what to do. It's not beyond you. I don't know. But, O oh Lord, God of our fathers, you do know. And because you know, therefore, my eyes are on you. Because I can't do it, but I know you can. I don't know what to do, but I know that you do know what to do. Therefore, my eyes are on you. That's his position of faith. Is it yours this morning, tonight as well? Is that where you are? The words of that commentator are worth just repeating again. Because I think he really hits the mark. Let me just... If you don't mind me saying this again, he says it's one of the most touching expressions of trust in God to be found anywhere in the Bible. To recognise one's weakness is a position of much strength. So what's your position? What's your faith position in Christ as you enter 2017? You know what? There's no shame in uttering those words as Jehoshaphat did. When we, in our own times with the Lord, when we say to him, Lord... I have no power to face this vast army. This situation that's before me, Lord, is overwhelming. And Lord, as you can see, I'm about to lose it. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And I want to say there's no shame in saying this to God. And look, you've got to read the rest of the story. You've got to read the rest of this historical account, of this account. This is part two of the message. Part two is that you're going to do it. Read, read, from, read right down to verse 30 and you'll understand why it's such an exciting story. When Jehoshaphat comes and confesses all these things to God, I've got to read verse 15 to you. You've just got to read it. Just to give you a little taste if you don't know the story. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. This is what happened after Jehoshaphat was in that position, confessing all those things, standing there before God, and God says this to him. What God does is truly awesome, and what he can do in your life will be truly awesome. And he is that same God today who will honour your position of faith as he did for Jehoshaphat. Closing now, I want you to notice, maybe you've already noticed it, maybe not. 
But what I've tried to do, I've deliberately tried to arrange the message with the headings so that you remember. In particular, if you look at the first letter of each of those bold words on the screen, each letter, it makes a familiar... Not a word, what do you call it? A, an acronym. There it is. And it's... Read it out. It is RSVP. RSVP from the French word. Anyone speak French here? Oh, do you? I was going to try and bluff my way through it. But uh, good on you, Michael. Is it Michael? Yeah. Um, the French word. The French word. Here's my French. It means... It says, Respondez-vous plat. Beautiful French. And it means... Reply, please. RSVP means reply or please respond. So you need to remember that when you are either willingly or unwillingly invited to participate in circumstances and in situations in 2017 that are absolutely beyond you and are completely overwhelm you, when you're invited into a situation like this, what do you do for an invitation like that, you? RSVP. Thank you. Jeff, can you just throw that up? You need to... Oh, you have already. There it is. You, you need to RSVP. Most of the circumstances and situations that you'll find yourself in, you may be unwillingly invited. Maybe, unex, maybe an unexpected invitation comes your way to participate. But when that does happen, remember to RSVP, which is resolve to inquire of the Lord. Seek help from the Lord. Acknowledge your vulnerabilities before the Lord and then stand firm in your position of faith in the Lord. RSVP. You won't forget that, will you? We all need to do it, folks. I believe that's what God wants us to hear tonight. And I think Waza touched on some of that. Bless you, mate. Let's pray. Father, it's been a, a long day, long weekend for some of us. A bit of a long night too, Lord. But I just thank you for, um, just for your word that um, opens our eyes and our hearts, our ears afresh. Lord, just thank you for the amazing story, this amazing historical account of what you did in the life of King Jehoshaphat. Thank you for the things we learn from your scripture. May we be people, Lord, who read and indulge in your word every day. Help us, we do pray to do that. Even in the midst of a busy, demanding lifestyle, help us to take time out, even if it's just a few moments, to meet with you and to hear you speak to us so that we can be fully armed and equipped to go out into the day that you've set before us. Help us, Lord, we pray, to be people who RSVP. Burn that into our hearts, Lord, and help us to be doers of your word. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you.